G'day, thanks for joining the Heights Church Podcast today. We hope you enjoy our message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Gorston Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. Today our first reading will be from Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 to 25. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I asked you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land, to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Uh, So the next reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 29. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For, the, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters." Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Thank you, uh, Eloise. Thank you, Lanthe. uh, I'll tell you who I am very thankful for this evening. Uh, A year seven girl in Ask Ask With Girls who said, hey, Nat, uh, would you like to come to Fuse on Friday night? Uh, How amazing, how awesome, uh, and how awesome is it to to see and hear everything that God is doing uh, in the lives of the people here uh, at church. I wonder, uh, as I asked earlier, 
has God ever uh, prepared you for something? I wonder if uh, you've ever prepared for something. I once prepared uh, for something because at a previous church of mine, uh, a bunch of men came up to me and said, ah, Chris, uh, you're a man, which uh, got our conversation off to a good start. Uh, And they said, oh, every year we go on a wilderness hiking retreat. It is an extreme test of your character. We go out once a year uh, with minimal provisions, uh, with a pack. We go into the bush and we hike 30, 40, 50 kilometers, uh, and we test you uh, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Uh, Do you want to come? Uh, And my first instinct was uh, not a chance in the world. Well, you haven't sold that to me in the slightest. Um, No, I don't want to go to that, actually. That sounds uh, terrible. But as you do, sometimes you do things that maybe you didn't necessarily want to do, uh, maybe because you love somebody else or you want to do something for somebody else, or maybe you are just uh, a people pleaser. I don't know. Uh, I said eventually, hey, that thing that you keep inviting me to that sounds really terrible... I'll go to it. One of the things that I did to prepare for it, uh, I've got my hiking pack, and I uh, decided I need to start. I need to start not just walking distances, but I need to start walking distances with a heavy pack on my back. Um, and this was something that a lot of the guys tended to do: uh, practice uh, just walking around, going on long walks. Uh, there was a set of stairs near my place that was sort of like on a walk that went up and up and up and up and up. So I used to just walk up it with my bag essentially packed months in advance for this terrible thing. Well, we got to the thing and my preparation had paid off. One of the guys uh, on there had also been preparing and we had been doing this hike, this wilderness retreat with minimal provisions, being tested uh, to our very limit emotionally, spiritually and physically, walking way longer than we ever needed to walk. And we stopped uh, one day for a drink of waters right at the end, right at the end, three quarters of the way through towards the end. And one of the guys uh, reached out, look, where's my water? And he reached the bottom of his bag and he pulled out a 10 kilogram weight. And he looked at it and went, well, what have you got that for? He goes, I put this in my bag to prepare. He reached in. How many of these are you going to pull out? He pulled out three of these 10 kilogram weights that he was before the hike supposed to take out. He had put them in his bag to prepare for the hike, forgot that they were there, packed on top of them and had been walking around with 30 kilograms more than he possibly ever wanted to be carrying on this hike. I'll tell you what, he breezed through that last 25% of this hike like it was the easiest thing in the world. He was prepared. And to this day, those weights still live in the middle of nowhere on that hike, covered with some leaves. They will be there until Jesus comes back, I am sure. I'm going to speak briefly tonight around this proposition that I believe that we are often prepared for things that we can't imagine. And to be more specific than that, uh, that God, even right now in the season of life that you are in right now, God is preparing you for something uh, that you might not even possibly be able to imagine right now. And as I delve a little bit into Genesis chapter 50 and Romans chapter 8 that was shared, uh, I want you to ask yourself the question, as I'm speaking, ask yourself the question, what on earth could God be preparing me for?
Well, the story of Joseph, which we can't necessarily read everything in Genesis uh, that covers the story of Joseph, uh, but the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis uh, is absolutely wild. Uh, And often when people start to read the Bible, they they think, oh, we'll start in Genesis, obviously. Uh, And I remember when I did a similar thing, I, I really only got gripped once I got to Joseph. Because when I got to the story of Joseph, it was just a story, and it is a story of just ridiculous twists and turns. You see, Joseph grew up as his father's favourite. He was a favourite. Anyone the favourite here? Anyone the favourite here in their, out of their siblings? Anyone the favourite? Yeah, okay. Anybody definitely not the favourite? Anyone definitely not the favourite? Okay. All right. I'm definitely... Uh, not the favourite. I know that feeling. Uh, I grew up with a Joseph, so I sort of identify with the brothers. See, he grew up with 10 half-brothers who absolutely loathed and hated Joseph's special status. They were born to a different mum. Basically, Jacob wasn't as keen on their mum as he was on Joseph's mum. And sadly, Joseph had that preferential life. Even more frustrating to Joseph's brothers were that Joseph would have these grandiose and well-advertised dreams that often involved him being just the best one ever and everybody else being the worst. For example, he once dreamed of 11 bundles of grain, which were then said to represent his brothers. And these 11 bundles of grain bowed down to his bundle of grain. And he would often have dreams like this, where everybody else would come and bow down before him. In another dream, the sun, which represented his father, and the moon, which he said represented his mother, and 11 stars, which he said represented his brothers, all came and bowed down to him. If someone comes to me and says, these are the dreams I'm regularly having, I would be thinking there is an ego problem here that we need to, at the very least, massage out. So Joseph, with his famous beautiful coat, his preferential treatment, and his dreams of greatness was not well liked and his brothers eventually had enough. They threw him down a well. Not metaphorically, they threw him down a physical well. They faked his death, they smeared some blood, they told a story and they sold him to be a slave to some merchants who were going down to Egypt. After being bought by these merchants, the merchants onsold him and he worked for a man named Potiphar. And I say worked, he was a slave. And Potiphar liked Joseph. Eventually, he was promoted. And so you're reading the story of Joseph, and you go, okay, so this is taking a positive turn here. I'm sure this is all going to work out great at this point. Well, it's just as things are starting to slightly go up that we read about how Joseph was then tempted and propositioned by Potiphar's wife. And even though Joseph ran away and didn't want anything to do with it, she responded by reporting Joseph for actually being the one who was attempting to proposition and tempt her. So Joseph was then thrown into a prison cell. Well, in prison, his gift of having dreams, of interpreting dreams, uh, helped him to successfully predict what was going to happen to two of his inmates. One of these inmates, years and years and years later, once he was out and the thing came true and somebody else was having some troubles with some dreams, remembered, oh, there was a guy in prison who was struggling. So he went to the person who was struggling with the dreams, who just happened to be the Pharaoh of Egypt, and said, I know a guy, Pharaoh, who can help you with your crazy dreams. 
And would you believe it? This is where the story gets really interesting. Joseph revealed to Pharaoh exactly what was going to happen. Pharaoh, your dreams mean that there is going to be a period of time when Egypt is going to have more food than it knows what to do with. But here's the thing, Pharaoh. After that time is going to come a long period of time when there's going to be a famine everywhere and there's going to be no food. So Pharaoh, I don't know. I don't know anything, but this is what I do know. You need to, in that seven years originally, you need to prepare for what is coming. Pharaoh loved this so much, he set Joseph free and made him second in command in Egypt to get this project happening. Well, the famine came. The preparation paid off and eventually 11 brothers in a faraway land suffering in a famine had to come to Egypt to get some grain because there was someone in Egypt who was the only one smart enough around to stockpile some grain. So the brothers go down to Egypt. Joseph, now governor of Egypt, comes face to face with those 11 treacherous brothers who threw him down a well. The brothers don't recognise him. There's a series of events. Eventually, Joseph reveals to them who he is. He eventually, he can't contain himself. He breaks down in tears, telling his brothers who he really is all these years later. And as was read to us, it says here in Genesis 50 and verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said, which is just beautifully ironic. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God. Even just that, but God. How many times in our life do we go through things where we just feel like somebody or just the world is intending to harm us? And too often we let that be the full stop on our story or we go comma and we go, but I'm going to get my revenge, or but I am going to do this. Not Joseph. You intended it to harm me, but God. But God. But God intended it for good. All the way through the ups and the downs of Joseph's story, he was being prepared for a future that he could never, ever have possibly predicted. And I propose to you tonight that through the ups and the downs of your story, wherever that story is up to right now, that I propose that right now you are being prepared for a future that you cannot possibly predict, that is bigger than you possibly can imagine, that in your future is a time when you will say, I didn't understand what was happening, but God There are going to be times in your life when bad things happen. There are going to be times in your life where things do not go to plan, when you are faced with grief and heartache and setback and discouragement. And I am not saying tonight by any means that God simply sends those things to you, so just enjoy them. No, not at all. I don't think that God is making you suffer just to teach you something or anything like that. In fact, 
the last thing that I would wish upon you is Joseph's life. The last thing I would wish upon myself was Joseph's life. At any point in that story, if you could ask Joseph whether he could go back to the start, I'm sure that for most of it, if not all of it, he would have taken the opportunity to go back to a time before he felt that rejection and that pain and that separation and that heartache and that suffering. And I'm not even saying that those things are good, but what I am saying that here and in the book of Romans and all throughout uh, the history of what God has done in the universe, I am saying that what God does is He utilizes things that are ostensibly bad to achieve an incomprehensible good. And that includes things in your life. I don't know what you are going through right now, good, bad, or otherwise. But I do know that God has a plan for your future that you couldn't possibly predict right now. Romans 8 tells us that God takes all things, even the things that the enemy intended for our harm, and he takes all of the things, good, bad, or other, and he works it towards our good. So this is what I want to just go through very quickly about, okay, so, okay, great, Chris. You, you are saying God is working for my good. Great. What is the good that he is preparing me for? I think is a fair and relevant question. So tonight I want to suggest three ways to think about the good that God is preparing you for. That in your future, the good things that are coming in your future, uh, the plans that are in, in place for your future, I want to give you three ways to consider what God is trying to do in you now for the good that is to come then. The first one, potentially the most important one, that is that the very ultimate good that God intends for us is right there in Romans chapter 8. It says he wants to work for our good. What is that good? Is it happiness? Is it health? Is it prosperity? Is it just comfort? Is it all the things that we have planned for our life going exactly as we want them to? No, I don't believe that's the good that is being talked about in Romans 8. Does God bless us with those things sometimes? Yes, absolutely. But does he consider them to be the ultimate good of what he wants to do in our lives? Absolutely not. In Romans 8, he answers what that good is in verse 29, what the ultimate good is. He says that what I want for you is to be conformed to the image of my son Jesus. That is, I want you to be more and more like the character of Jesus Christ. More and more, I want you to, to take upon uh, the image, to take upon the, the character, to take upon uh, the habits, to take upon uh, the orientation, to take upon uh, the heart that Jesus has to be less and less like our sinful selves and to be more and more and more like Jesus. It is to God's glory to take wretches like you and like me and conform us to the image of his son, Jesus. And when people look at our lives, they shouldn't just say, wow, look at all that all those things that that person is doing. They should say, wow, look what God is doing there in that life. God's doing something. And ultimately, that something is our salvation and our conformity to the one who brought it about. The second good, beyond being more and more like Jesus, that God is preparing you for, 
is that He is preparing you to be a person who provides for other people. He is wanting to prepare you to be somebody whose life, whose very character, whose very being, just essentially outcomes flowing from you is provision and gifts and service and love to other people. For Joseph, at the end of his story, he considered it some sort of miracle that his brothers pushed him down a well because when they did this terrible thing that led to a lot of suffering and pain in his life, when they pushed him down that well, they began a chain reaction that God used to bring about, what does he say? The saving of many lives. Provision for others. We don't go through things just to get through them. We go through things to, to, to get through them so that we can then turn around and utilise those bad things and the things that we've learned and gained and gathered for that to give to other people. God is preparing you to be able to love others and to give to others, to be a generous person in whatever unique way that pertains to your personality and giftings. God is preparing you down the line in your future to say to somebody else, okay, perhaps, hey, that emotional wound that is bleeding within you right now, okay, one day you'll be able to point to that wound that is no longer a wound, it's a scar, and you'll be able to go to somebody else who has a similar wound or just simply a wound, something that they're going through, a turmoil, and you're able to say to them, hey, I see how you are bleeding. I see how you are hurting. And you're able to pull back and go, I once also had that wound. I once also had that wound. And look, mine is now a scar. I promise you one day it will stop bleeding. Let me help you through this. God uses the bad stuff in your life to create in you an empathy, a patience, a gentleness, an understanding, a love that you might not have had if you didn't go through what you went through. And here's the cool thing. God also uses the good things in your life to prepare you for your future. Sometimes in our life, God will hold us back for our good. At other times, God will push us forward for our good. But it's in His timing and His ways, and it's part of what He understands. The good things that God gives us, He gives us so that we can then share and give it away. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this is what Paul writes, says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We receive comfort, compassion, love, generosity, service, leadership, guidance, wisdom. We receive this from other people in our life, not so that we can just be puffed up and built up, we receive these things in our life so that we can then also give that away to other people. God is preparing a good in you for your future so that you might be somebody who then gives that to others. I know that in my life, I'm at an age now that when I reflect back when I was a teenager, uh, the adults in my life then who seemed really old 
are now over 10 years younger than what I am now. And I, let me tell you, that messes with my mind that there were once upon a time 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds that when I was a teenager, they invested in my life something crazy. They were leaders to me when I was a teenager all those years ago. And if you have at any point uh, just benefited from me being around as a leader, it's not because of me, it's because of what I received many years ago. I received guidance and patience and leadership when I was, let me tell you, exceptionally annoying and immature and all those things, so that maybe one day I might be able to pass it on. But here's the thing, I'm not giving it to uh, our, our younger leaders and I'm not giving it to our youth so they can put it in their pocket and keep it forever. No, I want them to then give it away, which leads to the third thing, the third thing that I want us to be considering about the good that God is trying to bring about in you. That is that you are being prepared not just for a future that you can't possibly imagine right now, but you are possibly being prepared for a future in other people's lives that you can't possibly imagine right now. If you've tuned out for a bit, Tune back in for this because I think if we understand this, if we get this, it really totally changes our attitude towards uh, church, youth, camps, anything that we do that is like a positive thing. It changes our attitude because what I would love and what it is I would desire for, especially for all of us, but as a youth minister, I have the, that lens across my eyes. For our young people, what I would love for our young people is that they don't view Christianity as just another thing that they can consume, but that they would know that it's not actually about them. But actually, it's less about them that they can even realise that they're being prepared for a good in a future that they may not even see. What did Joseph say at the end of chapter 50? He said to his brothers and he said to all of the descendants of Jacob, one day God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. I wonder if we may be able to think about this, particularly when it comes to church and our service and our, and our ministry, anything that we're involved in, that God will surely come to your aid one day. And when that day comes, you must carry my bones up from this place. I wonder where are the bones of your ministry going to be taken to. The ultimate goal of participating in ministry at church, the ultimate goal of service, the ultimate goal of being involved, the ultimate goal of coming along, the ultimate goal of anything that God would call us to do in this thing that we call church is that the people that we minister to will then be ministers 
to a people that we may not even meet. That there will be events, revivals, worship nights, youth groups, that there will be camps, that there will be massive things going on in a future time that we won't be a part of, that we can't, we can't, we can't imagine it. We can't understand it right now. And just do imagine if we got this, that it's not about us, but actually it's even less about us than we think. It's about the people not even born yet. It's for the revival that you don't get to be a part of physically, but your bones will be carried there. The people that you pray for today will lead people who will see the promised land. Joseph didn't get to see the promised land. He knew the promise, but he didn't get to see the promised land. And he said, when that day comes, carry my bones up there. You finish Genesis chapter 50, you turn over and you start with Exodus and you read and meet Moses. And let me tell you something, Moses also didn't make it. Moses made it all the way to the border of the promised land and no further. And so not only is Joseph saying, carry my bones up from there, thinking about the next generation, but a whole next book of the Bible goes through and this just amazing character of Moses who dominates just so much of the Old Testament, he doesn't even get to go. There's a future that we get to be a part of by being bones there only. There's a quote, and I've read it and said it before, but it's one I like, that blessed is the one who plants trees under whose shade they will never sit. Blessed is they who plants trees under whose shade they will never sit. And I wonder tonight if that is a good that you want to be a part of. I wonder if tonight that is something that would give you the guidance, the direction, but also when it comes to your relationship with God, the trust to help you to get through whatever you're going through right now. I wonder if that could be a little fire for you tonight, a little inspiration, a little bit of, yes, okay, I've known that God is up to something, doing something perhaps, but I I want to encourage you tonight to think about the things that you don't get to be a part of because it's coming. But you do get to be a part of it by your bones being there. For Joseph, it was just enough that God prepared him to help others. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, okay, that's cool. That's not, that's not actually about me, though. Uh, okay, that's just, uh, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, okay, this is just for our young people. We want our young people to get no, God is preparing you. God is wanting to do a good in you right now, whether you're 1, 10, or 100. I don't think we've got any 100-year-olds in the room. I'm not sure. But this is for you. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm not going to comment on what I just saw there. Um, <laughs> Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, that's cool, but like, uh, I'm not like a church type. Per- it doesn't matter. I go, oh, you know, but like my, you know, I haven't, I haven't been around or I'm not involved or like, you know, I've been doing things that I shouldn't. It doesn't matter. God will use all things and he will use them for good. 
Whatever your story is, what God wants to say to you tonight is God wants to use that for a good and that opportunity stands. You might be sitting there thinking, but that's not for people like me. Let me tell you tonight, God has only ever used people like you. We're going to sing a couple more songs and uh, as we do so, I want you to worship God and I want you to, to think about everything that is awesome about God and for our uh, musicians, FYI, the three microphones are down on those chairs there. But as we sing those songs, I also want you to consider what God might be preparing you for. Let's pray. Lord, we don't always understand the good. We don't always understand what you're up to. We don't always understand what we get to be a part of. But I pray tonight, Lord, for every single one of us uh, that you would place something upon their heart, unique to their personality, unique to their character, unique to who they are, unique to what they like, unique to what they're into, but God, place something upon their heart. And I pray, God, that each of us tonight know that the opportunity stands to be a part of something way, way bigger than ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that that would fulfill us just with an absolute trust in the present moment. We love you, Lord, and we do want to say we trust you. And we do say also that we want to be a part of anything that you want to do in this place or otherwise. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we rise to our feet?